Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast out there. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Brandon, the good times just to keep on a rolling for our Seahawks because I don't know about you, but I feel like we are winning. We are winning this offseason, Brandon. The first week, it was a little bit... I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't going the way I wanted to. You know, you want it's it's like when you're uh, betting on a horse and and you don't know. Except, I guess this is our favorite horse, and sure. so I I don't have a lot of experience betting on horses. But I I have to imagine you want your horse to come out of the gate strong and like be in the lead right away. It's just like how I want the Seahawks in the first quarter of every game to come out and score two touchdowns and have it be fourteen to nothing. That rarely happens in Seahawks games, which is I think why I reverted to the horse racing analogy. But I, I want things to start strong and, and free agency. It, it just didn't. No, it didn't. But, you know, in, in going to the horse racing analogy, I grew up on Long Island, not too far away from Belmont, Belmont Park, you know, the uh, the Belmont Stakes, the third leg of the Triple Crown. So I've been there plenty of times. And, you know, it's not all that uh, often that a horse will lead pole to pole. It's not not how it actually happens. Mm. Most of the uh, most of the best horses, they'll, they'll, they'll get a good break. They'll start OK. But. You know, they kind of just hang. They kind of hang around the the secondary tertiary pack. Then they make their move. So I feel I feel like John Schneider. But who's the jockey in this situation? Would it be Schneider? He's pretty small, right? So maybe it's Schneider. I don't know. Maybe Pete and Schneider kind of double double jockey this thing. But we have made our move at this point, and uh, and you know, at, you know, the the draft is coming right up in about what twenty seven days or something like that now. Twenty six days, whatever it is, late April. So we are rounding the clubhouse turn, as they would say, and we're coming down the stretch and we're coming in hot with a lovely extension to one of our favorite players. Tyler Lockett staying with the Seahawks four year extension worth sixty nine point two million dollars, which would make him it. I don't think there's a Seahawks player under contract through the year twenty twenty five. So that will that puts him out ahead of of all the other Seahawks as far as long term dudes. But we all I'll also say real quick, there was also the whole, hey, let's trade blue chips and let's go get draft picks. And and we taught, you know, you I told you how I felt about that many a times now. But we talked about this being the perfect season to do what other teams have done, mortgage a bit of the future, punt some of that capital down the road a bit, kick the can a little bit because it's going to blow up and lock in your good dudes. Now, do we have an, uh, an assemblance of what his cap hit dropped to? I know it was around. It was $14 million. Do we know – what are they guessing or do we know anymore what's actually been freed up with this, uh, with this, with this vestibule here? Yeah, according to Brady Henderson, it goes from being a, a nearly $15 million cap hit to something around seven. It wasn't an exact wow. figure, but an $8 million cap savings there with Tyler Lockett. You have to imagine it's about – uh, what was the guaranteed money on Carlos Dunlap? Almost nine. Yeah. And yep, about if, that. if you look at over the cap.com right now, without either of those two moves, it has the Seahawks around $4 million in cap space. And so depending on if Carlos Dunlap's contract has a void year, which if, you know, based on what we've seen and, and based on what re- was reported around Jaron Reed, them trying to do a void year type situation for him. I I have to think that they they probably have Dunlap around a $4 million cap hit for this year. And, and just I'm basing that only on what we've seen with some of the other contracts. 
and not putting a ton of avoid money out in the future. But say they do that, say Dunlap's a four million dollar cap hit, uh, the the Tyler Lockett contract gets him to about seven. Then they're looking at about eight million dollars in cap space, nine million. And gosh, if they do a Jamal Adams deal, frees up space there, then they have all kinds of space with with the cap. And, and people who were worried about it about a week ago, they just don't have to be worried anymore. Yeah, this is this is big whammies, you know, uh, big whammies, big bucks, no whammies here. Give you know, get, get get an extra spin, right? I feel like we keep that's what we feel like. Like I feel like we're on press our luck here. I wouldn't say press press your luck, press our luck, and and we just keep getting those extra spins. And you know, we're not we're not hitting the whammies here. We just keep making some smart moves. You know, the the big one, the five thousand plus plus a spin that you know the the big dog on the board would of course be the Russ extension. And and maybe that still happens. Maybe that that's the the last uh, the last chip to fall. We shall see. And you know, I, and I love the quick math you did there too. You know, we're in we're we're in a talk about polls. We're in a poll position to still to still finish uh, free agency quite strong. We still got that wish list out there for a couple of ex Seahawks and current Seahawks and whoever else that we, we may want to we may want to sign. But Brandon, I do want to harken back a little bit. You know, one thing that I've just kind of a bit of a vibe that I've seen around the locket extension is you have a you know you know a segment of Seahawks Twitter that's like a little bit cringy about like ooh it's too much guaranteed money you know like ooh we overpaid for him like he's up into the you know he's not not quite the Julio Jones you know not that territory certainly not D Hop makes twenty seven million a year by the way twenty seven million right. a year and but still people are like ooh I think we paid too much money but the question I want to ask you is. Last time we extended Lockett, so his second contract as a Seahawk, do you quite remember the vibe of what what the you know the what the proponents were saying about Lockett's second contract? Do you remember that? I think the vibe was a lot stronger that that people thought that the Seahawks overpaid for Lockett, and now to go back and and think of of that type of reaction when, gosh, it was only maybe even a year after he signed that extension to where people started looking at really looking at the contract and and I think a lot of it has to do with the initial dollars that come out with the for, you know from the agent and you see that reported number and everybody reacts initially to that until they wait and, and see the actual figures because I I think once we see the actual contract it's going to be a lot like all these other ones and you're going to say man what no Tyler's given us discounts to stay here again. Yeah, and that that is that is the vibe that I got. You know, I, I went to harken back, and I'm like, I remember people being like really mad and just pissy that oh, that's too big of a contract for that guy. That's too big of a you know. And then it, then it quickly became oh wow, what a bargain, right? <laughs> it like literally became that's a bargain for for at that point a WR one who's now who's now a one or one A whichever way you slice well, it. What was your reaction and, then when you saw the the contract come out and that he had oh. been signed? Just freaking lovely. I mean, it's it's you know mashed potatoes and gravy, Marie. It's 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 beautiful because you know he's a he's a core dude. We're doing ex- and I knew it would free up space, right? So it's like okay, you have a dude who's been durable. He had that you know the the, the leg break that was nasty. Yeah, and course, missed what one game? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it, it came at the end of the season, so yeah. there is that. Yeah. But the fact that he was able to recover from that and still has been durable. Now I, some people can say down the stretch, okay. Yes, he's been dinged up to the point of where maybe he wasn't so effective. It was the end of last season where I think he, you know, was sick for a couple of weeks, but still a dude who went out there and played and gave you everything that he had and, you know, still broke a thousand yards. 
these past two seasons. You know, first guy, what, over 100 catches in franchise history for the Seahawks, too. So he's a guy that you want to keep around long term. And to do that, you have to pay those guys. We've talked about before how when you pay guys, you want to pay the guys who are your A players. And to me, Tyler Lockett's an A player for the Seahawks. Yeah, he's an A player, and he's an A player, especially for the next two years, right? To me, it's like the Carson, the Carson resigning is like, okay, you look, you look and go, oh, cool, we got that dude when he's still in his prime. Like, okay, cool. I look at the Lockett contract and go, great, the dude's still in his prime. So if we get two, you know, two more, three more years of Lockett in prime, and then and then, and then make some other move, fine, because it will come time, you know, there will be a time where we gotta, you know, pay Metcalf, and that's just the way the cookie's gonna crumble. That's fine, and. The other piece for me that came up during the extension or, or like thinking about the extension was, you know, the first two halves of 2019 and 2020, um, Lockett was like, you know, number one, number two receiver in the league, both years. And I think there's a a bit of a doldrums around, around him in general because it's like it's like weighed by fantasy football because he fell off in two two consecutive years in the second half of the year. And this year that, you know, the wheels came off the Seahawks offense in general. But I don't look at that and go, oh, that was a locket thing, especially this year. I look at that and go, teams figured us out. We didn't adjust. And then somebody got fired because of that. And now we have Shane, the main brain, Waldron, the cauldron coming in. And I like to, I, I want to see what happens when we're not just trying vertical plays. What happens when we get when we get more horizontal, which is I totally expect that to happen. You're telling me to a dude who came out of K-State as a pro route runner is not going to excel in, in a new a newer offense where it's more horizontal and more about route running? Like, I, I that makes zero sense. Like, I think he's going to overachieve and make this next contract look like, you know, tiddlywinks compared to what, let's say, the Giants just dished out for Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I, I have to believe that if you actually run plays that scheme Tyler Lockett open, we haven't necessarily seen it in terms of yards after the catch. Like he just hasn't been a yards after the catch guy, but really no Seahawks receivers are yards after the catch guys because it's throw down the field, explosive plays. And those are the types of, uh, that's just how this offense has been run under Pete Carroll. So, you know, do, are they going to take components of that Rams offense and, and work it in? Because I I'd like to see it. Because so many of the, you know, I went back and looked, I think the Seahawks actually posted every single catch of Tyler Lockett from this past season. And a lot of it is catching the ball and going down because, but a part of that too, was just the way defenses were playing the Seahawks. And, you know, if you catch it underneath, they're going to want to come up and hammer you. And that's the way they were trying to take away those deep shots. And so when it was more of that underneath stuff, it was, yeah, you better get down or else you're going to get smushed. And if you, you're Tyler Lockett, yeah, you, you want to avoid those big hits. Now, now, now I'm thinking him as like, you know, the, the poor meatball that rolled under the bush. Right. <laughs> so, um, and, 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 and let's, let's face it. Tyler Lockett is no longer a poor meatball. He's a very rich meatball. If anything, um, you know, he's got the good stuff, all, all uh, the good breadcrumbs, the good onions, the good Parmesan in there and the whole thing already. But, but that's what I expect. I, I expect, I expect more crossing. I expect more horizontal. Um, I just expect, I'm not sure it's more slot. That might not be the right, you know, way to think about it. Uh, but I do expect more yak with with Waldron because of the types of plays he's going to call. I always go back to in my brain that one big breakaway play that Metcalf had last year, crossing over the middle, took it and just turned the corner and went. You know, it could have went for a thousand yards. Nobody was nobody was about to catch him. And 
it's kind of like, we, it's like, it's like you do something once you're like, Oh, that worked awesome. Let's never do that again. Right. <laughs> so, um, I expect a lot more of that just because of what we're bringing in. I'm not saying it's going to be a total Rams offense. That's, you know, it's still Pete show. I get that. However, it's going to be a combination because that's, it's, it's gonna, I, I think that's absolutely. what we saw when Schottenheimer came in too. There were components that Schottenheimer brought, but there were kind of some of those main elements that we've just seen over the course of Pete Carroll as coaching the Seahawks. Yeah. And you know, I think we're in a prime spot to then roll out 2,000 yard receivers again, two dudes that could be 10 touch touchdown plus guys. We still got that wide receiver through to figure out, you know, and, and right now too, like, you know, Gerald Everett, that, that signing, I liked it a couple of weeks ago and it's just, it's just kind of growing on me more and more to, to, to look at that guy and say, yeah, I, I, I think he could just up level our dynamic. Nope. I can't say that word. He's going to be more dynamic. I, I tried guys. I tried, I went for it, but then, I, you know, I'm a, sometimes I'm a dumb, dumb. Well, um, and, and you, that's, that goes back to what we've been talking about in terms of team needs and talking about wide receiver three, that's been such a focus. But when you start to break it down in terms of, okay, we've got DK and Tyler who are, you know, one, a one B you have Chris Carson, who's re-signed, you know, he's an option in the passing game too. Yes. So there's weapon three. Gerald Everett, weapon four. Now, when you're talking about wide receiver three, you're talking about weapon number five. And, you know, Freddie Swain fits into that mold as that particular guy. And and yeah, maybe you want someone else there to compete, too. But in terms of a real priority, it's just I, I think that's why we're seeing it. it's not a huge priority. Two things there real quick for me. Number number one is certainly Weapon X, John Ursua. Let's not forget <laughs> Weapon X. Yeah, Weapon number 10. That's about right. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> and if it's not if it's not John Ursua, there was a certain someone from the FCF that we both fell in love with, right? The Fan Control Football League that we, we both became fans of. Your guy, uh, Andrew. Yes, Andrew. Yeah, that guy. Jamil. 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 <laughs> that's it. Jamil. That. I mean, if anybody watched a little bit of FCF, even a couple of games, that you know, dude was talking, open every single time, and it's on a smaller field. Exactly, smaller field, like more narrow, like less depth, and the dude's always open. So, you know, I feel you give a guy like that a little more space, and he probably can get open again. He probably can run routes because it looks like he sure could run routes, and his, his hands look good too. So, you know, maybe may a surprise from, from the FCF. And one last thing on the Carson piece, you said about. You know, I think people, if you go back and look at the stats, I think Carson had 37 receptions. For some reason, that number isn't in my craw, maybe because it's Alexander, but I think he actually got the same amount of receptions in back-to-back years in 19 and 20 from what my memory serves. Um, But the important part was he played a lot less snaps this year, Mm -hmm. but still got 37 receptions. I think still tied his his career high. So, you know, think about a dude who who could... Easily get into that 55, you know, 50, 50 plus 55 catch range. And yeah, you know, this offense, the people are like, you're going to, they're going to ground and pound it because that's what Pete said they're going to do. Like, all right, there might be a little bit more running, but this is not going to be the three years ago Seahawks. It's it's just not going to be. So I am, I'm very, very excited at this moment in time. I can't even believe that you made me look that up because you, you nailed it. 37 catches each season for the last two years. There we go. Like photographic memory on the, on the things I want to remember. <laughs> All right. Well, we we did have some other things that we were going to talk about, and, and we'll probably get into Jaron Reed, too. But we are 15 minutes into this thing, Clinton. What do you say we ask some people to raise their hands and we can bring them into the room? And uh, oh, yeah. if they have any questions for us, we can we can make this happen. 
beautiful. Bring them in. Last week was so much fun. We had great times with those things. Patrick and Corbin and Amy and, and others. Uh, so yeah, let's roll them in. Before we bring in our first person, just a reminder that uh, this is a weekly show that we do here on Locker Room. You can go to lockerroom.app, follow along at C Hakra is my account here. Clinton and I, we, we share this one account for the show. And so you can come on in, follow the show, and we go live about once a week, either Thursday, Friday, sometimes Saturday. We like to mix it up uh, just so you'll never quite know when we're going to do this. And so why don't we start off by bringing in Corbin Pester, who was in last week. Corbin, welcome back on. Corbin with a K, my man from Amsterdam. What's up, bud? I think that that Swain can definitely be five, if not four. He can definitely improve and be a pretty good receiver. Okay, I I will. I I think so too. Right. I don't love relying on it. That's that's my big beef. Is like yeah. Especially that we're gonna have to rely on it, but I think that we're just gonna hope that he can. Well, I want to, I want to, uh, put one back to both of you too. So Brandon and Corbin, the, the thing that I've been pounding the table for is that super quick wide receiver three. Like right. the, I don't really want Antonio Brown, but if we sign him, sure. I'll cheer for the guy. Um, I'll cheer for the Seahawks, but I want that super quick guy that could be really effective on jet sweeps and all the misdirection we're going to run with, with Shane Waldron. Do, do both of you feel, or either of you feel that Swain has that level of quickness. I forgot his 40-yard dash time. Do you? He was, he, well, I'm sure he was a 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four guy because uh, the Seahawks just don't draft dudes that are any higher than 4-4. Four, four. So he, he's got to have that kind of speed. I guess the, the question, though, is, is he a guy that can really turn the corner? Because that was one thing that even though David Moore didn't really have the kind of quickness that you would necessarily attribute to to some of the other players on the team. He was a guy that once you got out in space, he could be a, a guy who could make guys miss. And so I, I just don't know if we've seen enough of the quickness side from Swain. His four, his 40 yard dash was 4.46 seconds. Pretty, pretty, pretty fast dude. And that, you know, and that's, and that's the straight line. And that, and Brandon, I think what you're hitting on is, is definitely where, where my brain's at um, is just, it's just more of that, in and out, in and out of cuts and, and getting around the edges and, and doing those types of things. But I will say to your point, Brandon, David Moore sometimes didn't look like he didn't look the fastest, didn't look the quickest. However, he was still pretty effective at those plays. They were right. usually schemed up fairly well. And if you had to make a dude miss, whether that was on a punt return or around like an end around, but most often he actually would make at least a dude miss. Um, so that's, that's my thing. Corbin is I hope you're right. I want you to be right. And I want to see Swain get some of those touches. I want to see Swain get some of those those early bubbles and gets and, and get some of those those end around and jet sweeps because they're coming. Like we 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 started using it a little bit last year, the uh, last two seasons, and you know we we had robbed that from the Rams to begin with. So uh, the propensity to run those types of misdirection things is I, I think is only going to accelerate. Well, one thing I know that we did want to talk about too is just this idea of Jaron Reed, who it was. I think confusing to a few folks about, oh, the commentary that came out afterward that, mm. you know, he could have made more money by staying with the Seahawks. And the confusing part about the tweet was like, yes, he was set to make more, but the Seahawks cut him. 
And I felt like the, the tweet wasn't very explanatory and with the, the fact that they're going to give him a signing bonus to essentially put it put part of his signing bonus into a void year so they could spread out the money over multiple years. Jaron Reed wanted a long-term deal. And once the Seahawks and and he couldn't agree on on that simple thing, they just wanted to pay him for one year and then revisit it next year. It sounded like the idea was that he could have made more money this year just taking his guaranteed money. They, they pay it to him in the signing bonus. They are able to spread it out over two years by adding a void year to his contract. And so that's where he's taking less money to leave the team. So it is kind of a weird situation. Mm-hmm. The fact that he would take less, but now he's going to be with, you know, Frank Clark, who, you know, he was a 10 sack guy with during the regular season. Maybe he has a chance to show more and, and make more money than he would have made by going to a team like the Chiefs and, and then getting a big con- bigger contract after that. Yeah, the, the confusing part to me is like if he was not into the one year, like, hey, hey, we're just not getting there, Reed, right? Like, hey, we're, we're trying, right? We're, we're negotiating good faith. We're not getting there and we've got to make a move because because we got other shoes that, that are going to drop. Um, hey, take this one year and we'll let let's keep this keep on rocking. And then he walked away from that, but then he took a one year, right? That that's what he got from the Chiefs. Was right. it one just, year yeah, and so, then just five million with just, maybe a yeah. chance to make seven? So, so yeah, that, he would have made more if he would have taken the guaranteed money from Seattle. Right. And that that's the part that's confusing to me because he seemed to be very genuinely, like emotionally upset that he had to go, he had to leave. That he had to leave the organization that drafted him. He's had good success here. And one thing that, that's been bugging me a bit is that almost like when Shaq Griffin left. Now, Shaq Griffin got very well paid. We, we were just not going to go there. But there was this sense of, well, he's not, you know, it's like them grapes are sour anyway. It's like, no, Shaq Griffin's a pretty good corner. Like, to, you know, sometimes, sometimes very good corner. A very important position in the NFL. The same thing for me with Jaron Reed. Like we're talking about a, at least a B plus, probably probably an A run run stopper. And then when he has that second person, he becomes at least a B B plus pressure guy. When he has, you know, when he could be Robin and somebody else could go run Gotham, he's he's not made to be, you know, Batman and, and up the middle there. There's there's only maybe two or three in the entire NFL who really are. So. You know, I think the recognition of, no, we did lose a really good ball player here and we probably could have made it work, you know, that, and maybe, maybe it was his decision at the end of the day, but it's, it's, it is, it does bug you a little bit because if you were looking at it right now and he did, he took the one year, um, and Reed was plugged in there right now. Um, you know, I, I'd feel a little bit better about this defensive line. I think it's vastly improved. We talked about it last week, of course, with all the, all the additions, but that subtraction I think is going to hurt a little bit more than people want want to let on to. And the last part about that for me, Brandon, is it's also like that he likely blew up holes and set things up for Dunlap, mm-hmm. just like he did for Clark. It's like, it's not this one, one-sided, you know, one-way street where the good dude just opens it all up for, for a read. Sure. But it goes both ways. And I think I think that's going to be Missed a bit this year. Love old thigh arms. Looking forward to him. But I do want to recognize that Jaron Reed's a pretty damn good ball player. Yeah, I think there's that tendency of when a player leaves, it's like, yeah, well, screw that guy. He sucks. You know, we can we'll be better off without him. That type of mentality. Right. Yeah. And, you know, gosh, when you look at the type of pressure that he brought, he he led the team in pressure last season. It was over 40 pressures that he had. 
you know, with the playoffs, he had, you know, almost double digit sacks. So, you know, he was a big presence on the Seahawks defensive line. And and I, I guess this is where I, I just have that question of, well, why if Jaron were willing to give a commitment, you know, beyond, you know, if, if he wanted a commitment from the Seahawks for a multiple year deal, you know, why weren't they necessarily willing to go that far with him? Did they, you know, not see him as a long-term piece? Did they want to wait and see once again? You know, I have the sense from him that it's like, well, you want, you signed me to this prove it two-year deal. I essentially went out and proved it again by having six and a half regular season sacks. You know, I didn't have a whole lot of help on the edges. I still led the team in pressures. Why can't you pay me long term now? Why are you trying to, you know, just get me to sign for a one year deal and and revisit this next year? Why don't we take care of this now? That type of deal. Yeah. And at the end of the day for this one, the Chiefs got a good ball player and they got better. You know, the Chiefs and they they need to. They they, uh, last year, you know, two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, they put ample pressure on the quarterback last year. Did not really, and not just the Super Bowl, not just you know, not just the Russ sitting there with a puss on his face because Brady's got time to throw. But really, all year the Chiefs were the Chiefs were not nearly the team they were the year before. The writing was on the wall. Um, surely they could have won the Super Bowl, but I think the what kind of bled out from that Super Bowl was was actually the um, the paint that was on the canvas throughout the year that was like their defense was nowhere near as good. So. They're going to be a dangerous team once again. I mean, I, I, I'm, at least I'm grateful they're not in the NFC West. They're not. He's not in our conference. You know, whatever. Maybe, maybe we go meet him for the for the right to to raise Lombardi. I'll sign for that right now. Yeah, if he leaves to go to the Rams or the Niners, you know that uh, that hurts maybe a little bit more. But yeah, oh, a lot more. Yeah. yeah, going back to to play with Frank Clark and GoHawks96 at FieldGoals.com. He posted a comment there. And kind of speaking toward this, Jaron Reed, you know, he had the quote from I think it was Corbin Smith's article at SI.com that Reed wanted to go to an organization that cares about him more. Uh, And so GoHawks96 asks the question, you know, does anyone think that they could have re-signed Lockett not only because he's the definition of a Seahawk, but also to save face like they're showing, hey, be like Lockett, a team guy, no distractions, and, and you can get paid long term. And, and he says, I mean, probably not, but uh, he says he thinks that he outpriced himself, but he, he wanted to throw that thought out there. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not a bad thought in the sense that Pete Carroll has shared his, his feelings about Lockett basically being like, that dude is the ideal Seahawk, right? He, he has said that. So, um, you know, m- maybe Jaron Reed just wasn't the ideal Seahawk and, and his time had come. So it's, it's okay. You know, like it's, it's, it's the NFL, right? It did cl- at the end of it. It did clear cap space. We cleared more cap space. We are having a heck of an off season. Um, the draft is coming up. I, I, you know, who knows if we just stick with three picks or we do a little bit of wizardry and try to get the fourth or fifth pick. We'll see what happens there. I still expect Seattle to finish finish this really, really strong. Like right now, maybe there's two or three. If we go back to our horse, horse racing analogy, there, Brandon, there's two or three teams that are you know, rounding that clubhouse turn that are looking for like win place and show. And I'd say the Seahawks are right out there and having, having one of the best, uh, free, you know, free agent seasons there is, but now it's time to finish. Hey, good old Pete ball, right? You, you can't win the game in the first, second or third. Let's, let's win free agency in the fourth. Again, my, my wish list, Brandon lock, let's go get, let's go get KJ, right? Maybe it's Sherman or another quarter corner to come compete. 
and I don't know, maybe we draft a wide receiver. I'm really not enamored with, with the rest of the wide receivers that are out there. Sans, just my love affair for Golden Tate and how fun that would be. But beyond that, I'm, I'm more in the camp of like going to draft a wide receiver. Bring back all the former Seahawks, Clinton says. <laughs> and maybe it was something you said or I said, Clinton. But Lisa, she is coming in. She's got things to say. Lisa, welcome on. Yeah, I want to do a pox on you, Brandon, for mentioning Mahomes to the NFC West, which was clearly be a nightmare. But um, I'm hmm. with Clinton on this. I'm pretty bummed Jaron Reed's not there anymore. And I know that he, if you're going to give me a choice between having Dunlap plus Al Woods or Jaron Reed, I'd choose Dunlap and Al Woods. But I, I was not happy Jaron was gone. I was still mad they they traded Frank and they didn't even really get anything back for it. So I wasn't in favor of this, but being their cap situation, I, I didn't, uh, I understand. I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> Lisa's like Corbin was last week. I just want all the things. I don't yeah. make me choose between <laughs> one thing or another I thing. I want, I want Al Woods and I want Jaron Reed and I want Carlos Dunlap. Why can't we do it all? I'm totally a roster hoarder. I would totally have, <laughs> every guy that's ever played for the Seahawks still on the roster now. So well, I, I mean, there's the, there is still the possibility Lisa, of course, like uh, of that, maybe going, going to get like Geno Atkins didn't get signed yet. Right. I don't think he's, he got gobbled up by anybody that, that I know of. I yeah. didn't see it. Um, yeah. You know, but we just have a bag of rotten fruit in the coffers. Now we don't have capital to go get anybody. No, but, but we still got people we can extend though. That's, that's the thing is like, I think we probably got about, like, I think Brandon was doing the, the fast math earlier that we probably got about $8 million sitting there. If it all, if it all shakes and Hey, Gino Atkins is a baller. Like, you know, him, him and Dunlap did that for years. Maybe we can you know, bring basically, back Steve Largent. <laughs> well, we Gino's know. not that old. Come on now. <laughs> hey, at least we know we know Largy can tackle, right? So if Largy wants to go play, uh, you know, go go play corner for us, he oh, probably could. Good. You know, Largy didn't get a lot of chances to hit people, but when he did, oh boy, you know, he uh, he he laid some of the best the best hits in NFL history. So, all right. Well, we're bringing in Phil into the chat too. Phil, welcome in. Hey, how are you guys doing this week? Great. Man. I thought it was. A I thought it was an April Fool's joke. I, I got here at 5.30 and I couldn't figure out how to get on, but then I saw Brandon said you were live, so I'm here. I was wondering if you guys wanted some more uh, pain games with Phil for tonight. <laughs> oh, sure. I, I think I, they, they were fun. Like, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're a sucker for, for the hurt, right? So, and no, uh, for is, those who- this is the- yeah, yeah, no, I was I was gonna say for those who didn't listen last time, Phil came in and gave gave us these these either or scenarios that that kind of started friendly, but then they really really got down to having Brandon and I make some tough decisions. So uh, yeah, Phil, I'm game. Let's 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 play the pain game. Yeah, it turned dark quickly, but uh, we got through it. <laughs> in the pain games, in the pain games, there's uh, no nightly ice cream and a six pack too. You kind of have to choose, right? So it's a <laughs> it gets a little bit more that way. I would like to add, I just got a couple of them here. And, and for this game, instead of uh, last week was more likely, I called this one check, raise, or all in. The idea is, ah, we'll kind of wait and see, or I'm really aggressive on this, or I'm absolutely in whatever it takes. And so if you were John Schneider, I don't know who wants to go, but if you were John Schneider here on check, raise, or all in, trade down from number 56, would you check, raise, or be all in on that? I, well, you know, it has to do with who might be available. And I think I'm definitely leaning all in on trading down, though, just because 
I don't think John Schneider is going to come out of the draft with just three picks. And that makes the most sense then to trade back from that two spot overall, get uh, or the second rounder, get a couple third rounders, and then maybe you can parlay one of those into a fourth or fifth and at least come away with five dudes out of the draft. Yeah. I'll give, I'll push the chips in on that one too, Phil. Um, similarly to Brandon's answer, it's, it's the one chip where we can go get some more, right? That's, that's the one where you actually can go, go accumulate probably two more. If you, if you do it, do it, you know, in a savvy way, which let's face it again, you know, he, he's, he's a wizard there, Phil, right? He's going to do it in a savvy way. Um, the other thing that makes me want to go all in there is it's just the success that the Seahawks have had in those rounds. Like they, oh, yeah. they, they seem to, you know, pocket a couple of people or target some people and they, va- you know, like Jordan Brooks last year, I realized, I realized it's the first rounder. I get that. Um, or DK when they went and went and got him, but they have a way of like zoning in on a couple of people that maybe are falling or just not, just not on other people's boards that might be third and fourth rounders in other people's eyes that they're like, no, that dude's a second, a second round talent. So if they could kick back a little bit and still get a guy they're locked in on, then I trust that that's how they'll execute and they'll still get the guy they actually wanted and they'll have a couple of more Plinko chips. And right now we need those. But, but Phil, what about you? What's your, what, what I'm, do you I'm want? I'm on a raise mode. I'm on a raise mode. Like I'm leaning, trade down. But if there's that guy, there's that, you know, next left tackle, stud center, something like that. And he doesn't seem like he'll be there in a few picks. I'm going to probably go ahead and pull the trigger. But if I feel like there's a couple guys I'd really like and I can trade back and pick up a fourth or a third or, you know, something like that, I'm leaning trade down. I think we need to trade down. But if it's a guy they know is going to make a difference for years to come, then you might need to pull the trigger as painful as that would be. No, no, fair, fair, fair enough. Hey, listen, it's, it's not painful if you get the right guy. Check razor all in on extend Jamal Adams. Like, you're seeing what he thinks, or are you going to be pretty aggressive on extending? Or is it like, no matter what, we are extending Jamal Adams. You're going to kind of check the raise it or all in on this. What do you think? For me, that that one's a raise, and and uh, I usually I'm gung ho and and I and I want to say all in. However, it's a raise because it's got that little caveat of just. What what does that look like? Are we talking eighteen million a year? Are we talking twenty two million a year? You know, twenty. What's that function right there? Because that's it's going to be a spicy meatball. Um, however, if they get the the right structure, which I think they could, uh, and it frees up cap space, which we want we want for this year, I definitely am putting some more chips and raising that, uh, and hoping that they could you know get the right extension for Adams that doesn't that doesn't put too much a burden on him. Uh, although I do love the player, and I will, and I'm totally out on trading him for for more chips. What about you, Brent? I'm with Ryan in the chat, who is all in on nice. Jamal. And I nice. think that, I mean, you, you brought up a little bit of a caveat on, on why you would lean raise. But I, the way I'm all in is you just you make him the highest paid safety. And that's that is the market. Go out and pay him the market rate. You, you think it's going to be more than that? Phil? What if just being the highest paid safety isn't enough? He wants pass rest your money. Yeah, he wants he wants weapon money. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you want to fight that game with his agent, you say, okay, well, we'll do the next two or three uh, franchise tags, and he's stuck with that. And, and you know, nobody's going to be happy. He's going to be 
you know, frustrated every year that he's getting franchise tagged. Let's just get it done. You know, John Schneider, he has a way of making that work. So go all <laughs> in, make it work. And yeah, you're reducing the cap by by making that deal for this year. And you're you're getting a darn good player long term who was, you know, such a big part of the pass rush this year. I, I think the issues that we saw in coverage, I, I think we're going to see him bounce back from that once he has a year of offseason within the system. And, you know, because I, people who followed him with the Jets, they didn't see him be, you know, quite that bad as he was last year. And I, and so I think he can turn that around. And yeah, those concerns are behind us. I agree. I, I, but I, I'm still, I'm still taking my position, but I'm, I'm lo- thinking back to like, he actually for me was also a better run defender. Uh, and like he blew up more plays right. and not just game saving oh, yeah. ones around the edge, but he blew up some more plays than, than I thought he would as a run defender. And, and then, you know, th- and then, then he gets picked on a bit because he kind of, he kind of whiffed on a, a couple of tackles, but then it turned, you know, it turns out that he's got like a totally busted shoulder. Right. And he's sure. out there playing. Yep. So it's like, all right, well, what do you want to do to do? Like lean at the half yard line and, and still get, still get run <laughs> over. Like sometimes you bail. Um, but when he was healthy, he's so active back there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm absolutely in, you know, in, in keeping him and extend, extending him. I just want the right deal. Well, and I think Lisa kind of makes this point in the chat, too, is saying I'm tired of bargain basement defense. And yeah, when you look at the dudes that they're having to pay on defense, the fact that Shaquille Griffin is leaving this year, that makes all the sense. That, OK, whatever you had budgeted for the corner spot, you don't need to pay a ton for the corner spots anyway, unless you're talking about a guy like Richard Sherman, who's all pro type player. Griffin wasn't that you have an all pro on the team and his name's Jamal Adams. So you got Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams. Those are your two all pros. Those are the dudes that you pay the big money, top of the market contracts too. And I'm okay with it. Love it. Love it. Phil, you got any more for us? I got another one. I got one for sure. This one's not really putting the squeeze on kind of like deciding on Jamal or trading down, but I think, I think it gives an, gives us an idea of where you guys would be on check razor all in because i think several of us would be you know somewhere between raise and all in on this but don't you put your bias on me phil don't you put your (laughs) bias on me i'm throwing you off throw you off okay i think there's several that would be and several that would not be but uh (laughs) uh, we're happy to hear we're happy to hear where you are leaning so emphasizing offense in the draft like your big push well we're talking you know your tackles your interior linemen your third wide receiver are you going to emphasize offense in the draft or just check raise all in how do you feel about that i think i'm raising toward the offensive side of the ball because we're talking we're talking offensive line you know maybe more depth at receiver uh maybe a a tight end in the draft too if you want to if you want to bring another guy in there too so is this toward whether i'm leaning offense or defense in the draft phil yes you're john are you emphasizing you're putting a little more weight on offensive players in the draft? Yeah. And that could be because you're trying to get ready for Brown as he's getting older. That could be because you know you need a third wide out. That could be because you want some some competition at center. Or you're saying, you know what? I'm not emphasizing offense. I'm just taking best player. Or in fact, I think that we need a cornerback. So I'm going to emphasize corner above all those positions. But what, where are you going to put the, because we don't have much to do. I mean, right. really it brings up that here. dilemma of you only have three yep. picks. What are you going to invest more in offense or defense? And it feels like there's more pressing needs on the defense, but there's also 
you know, the draft is about looking toward the future and can you fill needs? Can you find? Yeah, that's it. Uh, it, it brings into that dilemma for sure. You know what? You, you downplayed this one. This might be the hardest one, Phil. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll stick with my answer, though. I'll, I'll go raising toward the idea of, of yes, emphasizing offense. I'm raising. I, I like this concept, but I'm also gonna I'm gonna break it down for you. Like I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna assume we're keeping. We got three picks, right? So I'm gonna give it the meatloaf and say two out of three ain't bad. I want two offensive people, the second and the seventh, um, and then what's the other one? Is the other one a fourth, fourth or a yeah. fifth? A fourth. fourth. Okay. I want and then and then I want that fourth. Don't say to receiver be, in the fourth, Brandon. No, 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 no. To, to, to Phil. <laughs> no, Phil, no. Clint, Phil. You, went, you went offense in the in the second and seventh, right? So defense yeah. has got to be in the fourth. Correct. Defense in the fourth, because what I want in the fourth is I want the dude who's the prototypical Seahawks corner. I want the guy that where they go, okay, he's got the right, the right mitts, he's got the right wingspan, he's got the right height, he's the right weight, who just has all the attributes of Seahawks corners that they've taken in the past where Pete could go do the magic things he does with corners and we could, within a year or two, maybe even a year, just, just have another additional good chip as a cornerback. So two, you know, so offense, defense, offense. Did I get that right? Yes, I did. That's what I want to do. I want, I want the meatloaf. But obviously you're not all in on any of that. You're just, that's what you're leaning toward. You'll take something. If it goes the other way and it's the, it's the right, it's the right players and then so, then so be it. Right. So I, I'm not, I'm, I don't know about you, Phil and Brandon. I know we want to bring others in. I'm not a huge college. I'm not a huge college football fan. Like I, I think it's fine, but I don't, I don't obsess over college football. So, you know, more than ever, I learn about players because of so many podcasts now, like three, four five years ago, I was, you know, half blind going in now. Now I'm just like mostly blind, but I'm not a college football guy, so I just got to trust. Like Jordan Brooks last year, I was like, oh, I don't know who that is. And he turned out to he's a pretty damn good linebacker. He's got a lot of speed, and I'm excited about him. It does kind of bring up to me, though, is that uh, at the end of this discussion, it gives me an opportunity to tease what I have coming up next. Because this evening, after we finish up this show, I am going to be talking to EJ Snyder of uh, the Windy City Gridiron. And he's the the draft analyst for the the Bears community on SB Nation. So I have a list of corners that I'm going to be talking to him about. And there's one guy in particular that is really intriguing to me. Just looking at the stats, you know, 6'2 guy, 32 inch arms type of guy. And he comes from the University of Central Florida. So uh, as Shaquille Griffin leaves, is Tay Gowan now the answer? I love cornerback spot and and you can just swap out one UCF guy for another. I'm going to ask EJ about that. And so that's something to look forward to up at fieldgoals.com. Very nice. Anytime you could have a Tay day is a good day. So and any player named Tay on your team and you could say those things and hey, UCF has been turned into a program. So I'm excited to listen to that. You should also ask him besides cornerback, since he covers the Chicago Bears, you should also ask him about quarterbacks. <laughs> I, because, I don't think we're going to get into that. Yeah, spare spare the man because uh, Andy Andy Dalton's you know. Yeah, I'll save that for the end. I don't want to. I don't want to <laughs> upset him right at the beginning of the show. So, correct, correct. Uh, definitely look for that up at fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to this podcast, sbnation.com/slash NFL podcasts, and you can follow us on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod for me, Clinton. 
Uh, Clinton Bond on Twitter. Yeah, go go say hello. Love to love when people, when it's brand new people coming out, Brandon, and they just like, oh, hey, I'm a, I'm a Hawks fan and I want to talk with you. Uh, I, I honestly makes my freaking day. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll drink a beer here and talk Seahawks with you because that's what I like doing. So make my day at Clinton Bond on Twitter. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.